Hey guys, what's going on? Thank you for joining us. Dog Days Podcast, episode number nine with William Garrido of my dog training is my passion. Um, what's your business name again? It's Canis Fortis Dog Company. Canis Fortis Dog Company. And I think yes, you're sir. out of Texas, is that correct? Yes, sir. Texas. Okay. okay. Yeah. So how's everything been going for you? Good. Everything's been going good. Um, you know, things are... As usual, my dog Russ got his two couple or a few weekends ago, so we finished the second leg, mm -hmm. and um, you know, in general, everything's going pretty well. Yeah. Cool, cool. How many how many dogs are you traveling? Because I seen you posted something else about like a dog and a one. Yeah, I have. Uh, so I got three dogs, three personal dogs that are you know that I train for PSA, but two of them are still still kind of young you know they're they don't have anything yet they're not you know they're, they don't have a pdc or anything uh one of them is about a year and a half the other one is just a little bit older than that the other one's going to be two in january so he's almost two um and those two they're both half brothers they're from the same from the same dad uh, and then i have rust rust is the older one he's the one that just got his two He's, um, you know, he's a dog that I got, you know, eight years, he's eight years old. He just turned eight not long ago. So, uh, you know, he was the dog that I got, um, sort of to start me into, you know, into, into sports. I'd never done sports before until I got rust and, you know, getting rust, mm -hmm. we didn't start really trialing until he was about three years old. Cause you know, the first three years we didn't have a club. I didn't even know what sport we were going to do. So, um, you know, then we kind of started in PSA right, right about when he was about three. Um, so those are the only three dogs that I have. My wife has a Malinois as well, but she's also kind of young. She hasn't done a whole, she hasn't competed yet. Um, but yeah, those are the, those are the dogs that we have. Now in the club, we do have a bunch of, you know, we do have a bunch of dogs, I have some clients also that that do training PSA, like personal clients, private clients, uh, and I have a client mm -hmm. whose dog got a PDC this year, and that dog, his name is Tango. That one is working towards PSA one stuff. So that's probably the one you have seen in some of the videos. He's prepping for level one stuff. Yeah, the the, the dog Tango. Did you did she come to uh, Florida with them? No, she didn't. She didn't come to Florida. No, she got she got his PDC in uh, in Texas in Dallas. Um, but um, but I had some friends that were in Florida that I was talking to. Um, that um, you know that I think one of them finished her one, um, and the other one I think might have gotten her first leg of the one. I mean, this was you know back in the beginning of the year. Is that when it was? I went when to we Florida met? twice. One time in October last year and then another time in January, I think. I think it was January because I remember traveling to Florida January. So, yeah, it was January. But, yeah, yeah, those are... Uh, okay, yeah, that's, that's probably when I met you. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, um, just to, I just wanted to start off by asking yeah. what... How did you start tra dog training? 
who was like your mentor? How did you get into it? And how did that process went like from a kid to present? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a that's a good question. So, you know, when I started, I was in my mid twenties, um, and the reason that the reason that I went into the dog training industry was because for the prior six years of you know of of my life, you know, from like uh, you know from my mid twenties before that. Um, I was in the Coast Guard. I was enlisted in the Coast Guard, and you know when you enlist in the, you know, in one of the branches, you don't you don't do year by year. It's like either a four or a six year contract. So my six year enlistment was already coming up, and uh, you know, and then I was at, at at sort of a turning point where I was like, you know, you can't just keep working until you put your two weeks. You have to either you know sign up for another four years another six years you know what i mean so it's it's like a major decision almost i'm familiar i was in the army there you go you know exactly what i'm talking about so you know i was i was in my mid-20s and then i was like okay do i re-enlist and take it to my you know into take this career into my 30s and you know once you do mm-hmm. 10 years you might as well do 20 right that's that's what they say right right so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and and just do something else. And so that's when I started looking into dog training. That's when I started looking into, you know, police dogs. That's the first thing that kind of got my attention is the working dogs. So, um, you know, right around that time I was I was getting my my affairs in order to uh to end my enlistment. And that's when I found this school in Louisiana. And the school is called uh, U.S. Canine, and to this day, they're still doing training program. Uh, that you know, they train police dogs, they have pet dogs, but they also have like a you know, like a like a mentorship program for people who want to be dog trainers. So I contacted them, mm-hmm. um, you know, and my last duty station was in Louisiana, because I was stationed at the uh, at the air station in uh, you know in Bell Chase. So you know, it wasn't too much of a too okay. much of a too much of a distance going from from the air station in Bell Chase to, you know, to uh, Kaplan, which is where this place is located. So you know, I went there, right. and um, and that was the first school that I went to. It was the first my first introduction into dog training. And then from that moment on, you know, I I uh, I, I did uh, you know other schools. So I went to uh, I went to Starmark Academy used to be known Triple Crown Academy. Um, that's what it used to be known mm-hmm. as. But, you know, it's now Starmark Academy. So I went there, you know, a few years after U.S. Canine. Um, and then from there, you know, I've done some seminars here and there. But the most recent school that I that I graduated from was Nepopo. So I did Nepopo Silver uh, and I did Nepopo Gold early this year. I finished Nepopo Gold. So um, that's pretty much the extent of my formal education, so to speak, in the dog training industry. Okay, yeah, that's cool. I heard you say Bell Chase. I'm from New Orleans, actually. No kidding. I, uh, I grew up there. Okay. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, I grew up there um, all my life. I went to uh, John Eric High School okay. on the West Bank. You probably, okay. I don't know if you heard of that, but we, we, yeah, I remember, one of the biggest I schools the Bank, in, yeah. in the state. Cool. That's awesome. Yep, but um, yeah, man. Um, I see that you're like a um really like an educator, 
more than just like your everyday trainer, you know, like some people are able to train, some people are able to be good handlers, and then other people are like educators. They take their knowledge and they're able to get that knowledge out to other people. And um, I've also seen that you wrote some books and yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I've seen that you, how many, how many books have you written already? I've written uh, four. Yeah, four books. Four books, yeah. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about each yeah, of those? of course. So the first one I wrote uh, several years ago, and the first one I wrote was called um, Common Myths About Dogs. And it was basically a very, very short, short read. And it's a compilation of a bunch of myths that I've heard my entire career, you know? Um, mm-hmm. things like, for instance, something stupid, like, you know, a lot of dog trainers are, are, are aware of some of these myths, like, um, you know, you shouldn't play tug with a dog because playing tug makes them aggressive or, um, you know, right. um, you know, a bunch of stuff like that. Right. And, and so what I did is I just made a compilation of, of those myths that I've been aware of that are completely wrong, or maybe there, there is some truth to them but not in the way that people think. So I made a list of that. And there are also some myths, you know, about it, uh, even on the dog trainer side. So I made a list of those. Again, very short read. And that was my first, uh, the first book that I launched that, you know, that I just kind of put my name out there. It was a little bit, it was a little bit scary, you know, writing a book. It seems like, Mm -hmm. like there wouldn't be much to it, but it's like you're putting something that is permanent and you're sending it out there for people to scrutinize, right? So right. it was a little bit, uh, it was a little bit uh, scary to do, especially because you know I, I did it all on my own. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have a, um, a publisher. I didn't have a, an editor. You know, nobody just. They, it, it was like I did it all on my own, which made it even more scary. So I, I released that, and I got some pretty decent feedback on that. So as I was kind of going along and, uh, and I was, you know, thinking, okay, maybe I could do another one. Um, at the time I had a blog on my website and the blog was just a bunch of articles, you know, from dog training to, you know, some common pet training type of stuff to more complex, you know, dog trainer information type of thing. So it was right about that time that I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not going to have this blog forever. At some point, I'm probably going to change the website. So I thought to myself, well, what's going to happen to all these blogs? You know, I'm not going to keep them on a file. So what I decided to do is I decided to compile all of those articles that I wrote in that blog, plus articles that I had written mm-hmm. In other newspapers, you know, local newspapers, same thing, you know, I've written a bunch of articles in, in different newspapers and publications. So I was like, I'm going to put them all together and I'm going to write, you know, I'm going to put it in a, in a book format. And that's the second book I wrote, which is uh, Info Every Dog Trainer Should Know. So it's just a bunch of, you know, blogs and articles um, for more specifically for dog trainers because a lot of the stuff on there is more complex, um, you know, than your average dog train dog owner really cares to know. Um, so that's the second book. Then the third book, uh, the third book is my favorite to this, to this day. And the third book is, um, is on decoy work. 
So that one, you know, I wanted to write about, you know, decoy work, more specifically decoy work, because it's something that I do, something that I'm very passionate about. Uh, it's something that uh, it's just a topic that, that fascinates me. So I decided to write some things on that topic, uh, you know, from preventing injuries, that kind of stuff. So what I did is I got together with a chiropractor, chiropractor who, you know, treats athletes, but he's also been treating decoys for like a good number of years in his career. So we got together uh -huh. with him. I did an interview with him. So that interview is also in the book. And we talk about, you know, how to stay in shape, how to maintain your health, how to maintain your, uh, your structure as a, as a decoy. Uh, but I also went further along. And what I did is I contacted a bunch of decoys in different, you know, in different sports. And a bunch of them are PSA decoys. You know, I interviewed Josh Kirby, right. <clears throat> uh, Jeff Riccio, um, you know, Dale Ritchie, and some of the decoys from other, you know, other sports, other disciplines, you know, uh, decoys from, mm -hmm. uh, from IGP, Belgian ring, um, you know, French ring. And I put all their interviews in that book. So that one is the one that, you know, it, it's my favorite. It, you know, I learned so much just writing the book, you know, interviewing these people. And, um, and, and that one is, um, that one I did get help with. You know, I did have an editor kind of looking over it because I wanted, I wanted it to look more professional because I had other, other people that were contributing to it. And I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, it was a fair representation of them as well. So uh, that one is the third one. And the fourth one is so uh, another short read. The fourth one is a book on um, how to select the right dog trainer, which is, you know, a topic in itself. Basically, that one is written for pet owners. Um, I know and you know, I'm sure, um, there are a lot of good dog trainers in the industry. There are a lot of bad dog trainers in the industry. And as dog trainers, we know how to spot them. But the average dog owner mm -hmm. doesn't know how to spot the difference, you know, the difference between a really good dog trainer and a very irresponsible, neglectful, uh, and oftentimes abusive dog trainer. The websites, a lot of times are, they look similar, that there is no difference, you know, the the person right. that that is right. neglectful that is that doesn't do a good job they don't put that on their website so the average dog owner is kind of left in the dark uh on that so that book is written for them on how to spot that how to spot the red flags and how to you know how to make the right selection because it's a big deal for the average pet owner yep it's definitely hard because there's no governing body to dog training it's not like you go get it phd and dog training you come out anyone and anybody can um take on this profession like i haven't had any um formal training if that makes sense um mm -hmm. i know what you mean but i've done a lot of like seminars i haven't been to like a dog training school but i've been to seminars i've been mentored by multiple different people sure um Took a few like online courses, some like weekend classes, stuff like that, and just sure. getting little tips from here and there. And then 
I just kind of engulfed myself. I've been training. Well, I've been into dogs my whole life. I've been around dogs and my dad wasn't a professional trainer, but he mm -hmm. was able to make our dog do basic tricks. He'll sit sure. down, stay, come speak, yeah, yeah, crawl from like, you know, 50 yards. Yeah. So just as a normal person, that's like impressive. So yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he had our dogs doing that kind of stuff with, with no knowledge. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> I got into the bite work portion in probably 05 uh, or a little bit before. I started seeing him a lot when I was in the military mm -hmm. and then um, um, just watching those guys. But I never got to participate. Like I never got to like get in the suit and really work them. I was a veterinary technician. So oh, nice. um, we just went and did the inspections for for the uh for the military working dogs so we did mm -hmm. all their health and stuff like that but That's as far awesome. as the bite work i was intrigued i was intrigued by it but i wasn't able to they wouldn't let you like participate you know like sure. we'll, yeah. a guy yeah. who wants to do it now we'll be like get in the suit hey you can yeah. do this and yeah. uh, they, no, they wouldn't let me do it so yeah. Yeah. so i had to wait until i got out i got out in uh early part of 05 Later on, probably that same year, I met up with a bunch of guys here in Atlanta that was doing protection work, and I just saw it, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. But they they didn't do any sport. They just did personal protection. Um, oh, gotcha. And that's kind of what I, what I saw, like law enforcement, personal protection, military dogs, stuff like that. So I wasn't really familiar with the crispness of the sport. You know how you have to, the precision yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, <clears throat> Um, from 06 to present, I've been training dogs and slowly um, getting better at it, you know, but that's good. It's man. not like cookie cutter. You, you, you're developing all the time, learning new stuff. So, I mean, that's that's another form how much of how education. much. Yeah. 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 yeah how much would you say that uh, going to the Nipopo classes? helped you and elevated your career you know that's a really good question um i can tell you from my perspective it definitely helped tremendously i can't really quantify it you know because it's one of those things that is hard to mm -hmm. to um quantify and go you know it's 10 10 percent 20 percent 50 percent um but um you know i'll kind of give you sort of a brief rundown of of what I learned there and my perspective on Mepopo and how it helped me. So I noticed that, you know, prior to going to Mepopo, I was doing pretty decent. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't terrible by, by any means. I was doing pretty good. And what I saw with, uh, with Mepopo, uh, students, the Popo training, um, I saw a lot of the same things that, that, um, you know, that, you see really good dog trainers do. So I, I remember thinking, wonder what it is that, that makes this different. So when I went there, um, you know, I went to silver and gold. When I went there, when I just went to silver, because silver is just theory. When I went to silver, um, I learned that the Nepopo system was about um, an intellectual form of learning for the trainer and for the dog. 
you know, it, it's, mm. it wasn't as much, um, you know, repetitions, although that has a lot to do with it. But it was, it was a very intellectual learning uh, experience, you know, going to, going to silver. Uh, and then going to gold obviously was, you know, like the cherry on top. It was, it was more intellectual training plus the, the physical application. And I can tell you, um, one of the biggest things that I, that I took away from the popo is that, you know, one, it's okay to, to, uh, to make mistakes in the training process. Even when you're training a client dog or a, or your own dog, you know, as dog trainers, we're very, we're always looking for the, for the good rep, always looking for the good repetition. And one thing that dog trainers always say is, you know, we want to end it on a good note. I want to end it on a good note. It has to be a good training session. And like, we're just obsessed. Every dog trainer is, every dog handler is. When we have a training session, mm -hmm. we want the training session to go smooth. We want the training session to go well. If the dog has any obstacles, we want the dog to overcome those obstacles and end the training session with a bang so that when we put the dog away, it was a good session. We feel good about ourselves. The dog feels good. But what I learned is this. It is that bad sessions also have their place. You know? And that was part of the, the intellectual piece that I got from Nepopo, which is, you learn it's part of deep practice you learn when you screw up you know yes. you are learning when you're having bad repetitions as well now our goal shouldn't be to have bad sessions but i went mm -hmm. from you know being upset about the bad sessions to i became more intrigued about the sessions that didn't go well and i remember thinking after that you know after nepopo i remember thinking you know these bad sessions are good because one thing I've noticed, and I've noticed this in the past, and I know you have too, sometimes you're teaching a dog something, right? And it takes you a while and you go, man, we're, we're teaching this and we're teaching this and we're teaching this. And what happens is for like two or three sessions, the dog will have a bad session. The dog just doesn't get it. And then you pull the dog out later or the next day. And the dog also has a bad session. It's like they're not getting it. And you pull the dog the next day, and same thing. It seems like the dog's not getting it. Then the fourth or fifth session, you pull the dog out, and suddenly it's like in their sleep, they're figuring it out. Have you ever experienced that? I know I have. Yes, you know, I know like, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, when you, when you think of that, when you see that, you think to yourself, oh, you know, um, I guess the dog figured it out. But if we look at it from a broader perspective what happened was those bad sessions did give the dog the deep practice that it needed you know it did give the dog the bad sessions and the failure so to speak that it needed to correct it for that one session that finally it figured it out and i've seen dogs i've seen that multiple times where you know you take the dog out to do a session and you think to yourself He's probably not going to do well because he didn't do well the past couple of sessions and they get it. And it's like suddenly they, they figure it out in their sleep or something. Um, so Nepopo kind of really put that together uh, for me and they, and they explained it in a way that makes sense. And then I was like, ah, that's what that is. I know that's just a piece, obviously, you know, there's, there's more that I got out of it, but I can tell you when I, when I finished silver, 
and I came back home, you know, mm-hmm. to to work, and I still had clients. Uh, I had some of my club members, some of my clients, even tell me, "Hey, you know, you do, you do look, your training does look a little bit different. It's like it's, it's like you're excited about training." And same thing when I finished gold, same thing. I I, I came back, and uh, I can tell my club members dogs even you know got the edge that my dogs got as well so um it definitely was a a tremendous boost in my in my career you know for the stage that i'm in you know there are people that go to silver and gold that have much much less experience you know than than uh than either of us and uh some of some of the people that went to silver and gold are very very new to dog training so their journey is different you know they're what they got out of it is probably different than what I, I got out of it. And that's the, that was the great thing about it. So, Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about that um, program. I know a lot of people who went through it. And um, I just feel like it's something that they have that a lot of other dog trainers don't have. Like there's a tier that they're above a little bit. You know what I'm saying? As far as... Yeah. Um, the understanding of how the dog understands, if that makes sense, if that if yeah, makes the dog man. or getting him to learn. Yeah, it's a very intellectual right. process. So, I try to, um, I try to like when even when I'm training my dog, I have a dog. I don't know if you've seen him that time when we was in Florida, but I got my PDC. I think when when um, when you were there, mm-hmm. and I think you came like the second day or something. Yeah, but, uh, day, yeah. Yeah, so so we went on and um everything went fairly well. And so he was young. I think he was what's the youngest whatever the youngest Four, age you could be months. doing Pete. He was like right at 14, 15 months, something like that. So yes. he got his PC, looked amazing doing it. So I was That's like, awesome. okay, we're gonna have a a breeze going through the ones. So mm-hmm. Um, I just start training more and training more. And then when I got to the point to where you have to put the decoy on the field, the decoy has to move and he has to have a lot of, uh, not yeah. a lot, but decoy neutrality to, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't, um, he didn't do too well on that. He started getting more obsessive about the decoy, more, yeah. you know, like into that. So that gave me a little hurdle. And then I started figuring out like, it's not a sprint. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll I'll take my time. He's already 14 months. I'll take a year off and work on these few problems, and then we'll go back and attack that. And by that time, he should be ready. I should soon after be able to start the twos if he takes to the training well. I mean, to get your uh, to get your PDC at 14 months of age, 15 months of age, that's really good. That's a young dog. You know, a lot of dogs are not even mentally ready for that, and even for a PDC, sometimes until they're about, you know, close to two. So uh, the fact that you were able to get your dog to a PDC, uh, you know, at 14 months, 15 months, that's, I mean, that's really good. That's very impressive. And look good at it, you know, look good doing it. Because a lot of people get their PDCs and you could see it, like they barely skim by. Um, so, no, that's good. Yeah, I posted it on Facebook. Uh it looked pretty good. He kept his focus the whole time, even with the gunfire. Everything was fairly decent. I started my own 
Um, PSA Club probably. We were only at it for ten months at that time, and when we went to the trial, we were only a club for ten months, and so we went down with seven dogs, and five of us passed our PDCs um, within ten months of doing sport. You know, um, I think it also helped that I uh, I was doing I do my own competition called the Throwdown, and so I think that helped out a lot. Um, being able to do that and I'm a judge there so I kind of know what I want to see and then I try to transfer that into <sighs> PSA so I was just talking you asked me about the puppy and how old it was like uh the new right. dog that I have that I'm gonna be trying it's actually a son of my uh dog that I'm competing with now oh nice nice yeah, so he's about 12, 13 weeks now. Okay, he's a young, young pup. Yeah, I'm just starting and, off his uh, obedience right now. Dude, that's awesome. So you got the father and the son, and you're going to be, and you're not, you're still competing with the dad, right? Yeah, he only got his PDC. He should be going for his ones right. sometime uh, first quarter of 2023. Nice. Yeah, That's so I awesome. took I took a whole year off just to dedicate to getting them neutral to the decoy. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, what um, what lines is your well, both of them because they're father and son. Are they so Dutch? He's actually, a bull herder. So. We're just being honest about okay. what's in the dog, if that makes sense. So he looks like uh, his 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 dad is a dog named Deuce from Bull Vision Kennels. I don't know if you see them. They on Must Must TV a lot. Um, Scott and Chloe from the mm -hmm. UK. So I imported okay. him, and he's a uh, he's a bull herder. His mom's a male. His dad's a pit bull presser. Uh, male mix okay it's like a three-way cross and then i bred him okay. back to my female male which made the puppy oh nice that'll be an interesting uh combination for the puppy yeah they look it'll like malinois you can't really tell the difference they're just a little bit more cheeky yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Oh, dude, that's awesome yeah so so um i'm yeah. on this psa journey um Thinking of talk going back to something that you said earlier about the uh the dog on uh, the decoying, that's kind of my real, real like passion to this. Um and that's something that I love doing. Like if I can do anything, I would just do decoying or teach decoying and I would be cool with doing that. Um I want to go and get my PSA, you know, the certification. I did it the APPDA one and I was doing some helper work mm -hmm. in uh IGP but uh it seems like a, a CrossFit challenge nowadays <laughs> so <laughs> I'm 40 years old and my knees hurt yeah I mean I do jujitsu but that's something that you can control like I can lay down on the ground I can squat you know and and control the way my yeah. knees tweaking when a dog's coming at I, I still catch them it's just the how long you have to be on the field yeah. Um, I don't know. I, we was talking about um, eco work, eco 
Go ahead. Right? Go ahead. Start. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start from the I'll start from the top. I'll, I'll start again. So, you know, the thing that that is interesting about decoy work is when you're new, when you're brand new at it, and you have all the interest, you're very excited. Typically, you know, your body can handle, you know, the the uh, the beatings, right? So when you're young, you're new at it. A lot of young decoys are really athletic, really good, mm-hmm. and um, and that's where your skill and your knowledge is at its lowest. But you're good at you know learning the you know learning the mechanics of decoy work. Right. So when you're new at it, you're young. You typically make a you know a good prop, right? Make a good prop. And, uh, and this allows you to learn more and more and more because, you know, that's the thing about decoy work is we can go, hey, we need decoys. And as long as the decoy understands certain basic movements, we can train our dogs as long as they're safe about it, right? right. Then what happens is in your journey, you gain experience, you gain knowledge, you, uh, you learn to read dogs much, much better as you learn all of this, as you practice over and over and over. The more you practice, the more you learn, the more your body also kind of starts to decline. And so when you get to the point of, you know, you, you're really good at, you, you can read things, you can read the dog, you know, you know almost what the dog's going to do before that dog is even sent. Mm-hmm. You get to that point, you know, your body is typically not at its most optimal. You know, you're talking about people like Barb alone, Dave Croyer, and there are many others, of course, but, you know, just using those two as examples, these are people that are at a point where they, their, their knowledge of deco work is, is so, you know, so far beyond a lot of us, but yet their bodies are no longer there. It's like in the beginning, your your physical abilities here, your knowledge is typically here, mm-hmm. and then as your knowledge rises, your body is then typically down here, and that's just one of the uh, you know the the ironies and the sad realities of deco work is the more knowledge that you gain, the more experience you gain, the less your body can handle because it's taken so many beatings to get to that point of experience right um that you know that's it's a fascinating part about decor i still love it too you know i freaking love decor work um but i'm realizing now that you know i do have an achy shoulder you know that was that was due to a, an injury during a training session i have a an achy right knee that was also due to uh you know something that happened and I always have to decor around those two injuries. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things that at our age, you know, we have to kind of keep an eye out for. Right. Yeah, man. I'm, um, shucks, two knees, ankle, back. I still, yeah, like I said, jujitsu kind of keeps me feeling young, but um, working dogs is harder to, like control the impact, the way the dog's going to move. And sometimes the dogs, you know, when you're doing fin offs, they're biting legs and mm-hmm. jerking on your knees. And so it's not that I don't want to, I really, this is like a bucket list thing of mine. I definitely want to just commit like two years after, you know, doing a couple of trials and then I'll be done. 
I just it's just something that I want to do. You know, it's like. fun. It certainly is fun. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, who would you say? Like, if you had a if if I was new to dog training and I had to follow uh, either a certain type of system or a person, give me like three people that um, that you would recommend to. I need to be looking at these people if I'm in a dog training industry and I want to uh, broaden my knowledge. That is a really good question. Um, now you're talking about dog training, like pet training, or you're talking about more like sport training or, or something more broad in general? Um, both. Um, just say, just say for now, just dog training in general, but sport is kind of what I'm, I'm looking at because sport trainers are, uh, they're good pet trainers, most of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, there is a uh, there is a there are a few people that I that I've been watching and following for a very long time, and I've been watching and following a bunch of different trainers. But then, you know, as as you kind of get to see uh, what they're about, as you get kind of get to gain your knowledge, you start to realize, oh no, no, those people are they were okay then, but now you narrow down your list to like a handful of people. So one trainer, he's not a sport trainer, um, but he is one that, that definitely has had an influence on me from the time that I started training dogs is his name is Mike DeBruzzo. Mm -hmm. He's a trainer in New York and his business name is uh, K91. So he trains pet dogs. He's a balanced trainer. It's a balanced trainer with emphasis on, uh, you know, a, a little bit more on the on the softer, more positive side. <clears throat> He's not a purely positive trainer. Uh, mm -hmm. He does use tools, but he's more on the, uh, you know, on the positive side. He's very, very, um, he's very aware of the, uh, you know, of the, or very conscious rather of the, um, you know, the, the approach um, and, and the stress that training can have on the dog. So he's very, very, uh, like I said, a little bit more on the, on the positive side without being purely positive. So he's one that I follow for a while, one that has influenced me as a trainer, Mike DeBruzzo, Canon One. Um, another one that, uh, that I have uh, learned a lot from is Dave Croyer. Dave Croyer, hands down. Um, you know, I, I've talked to him, I've, I've, I've met with him, uh, I've had the privilege to, to, uh, you know, train with him, um, you know, working his dogs, decoying for his dogs. And, uh, and the guy's just incredibly knowledgeable and mm -hmm. very, very skilled. And he is an amazing sport trainer. He's a judge for Mondial Ring. He has title in level threes in in uh, you know in uh, in French ring, and he has gone to uh, he has competed at a very high level in IGP. So the guy is very multifaceted when it comes to sport training, and, and also a really really good pet trainer as well. So Dave Croyer is definitely another one that has had a huge influence on my training style and continues to have an influence on my training style. Um, and then obviously the the other one that I'm definitely going to recommend just because of how much I got out of the training style in the system uh, is Barton Michael Ballone with the Napopo system. 
Um, those are the, uh, you know, the handful of people that to this day, um, you know, continue to have an influence on me and have uh, sort of shaped my training style. Okay. Yeah, that's a good list. If I was thinking uh, at least two of those three, like I didn't know about the the first guy you named, but yeah, definitely um, Barbell and Dave Corey. I have him on on um, yeah on yeah. on one episode of um, you know of this podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw him. He's he's really uh, knowledgeable about a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, definitely fell into the like the sinkhole with Bart Bell and and I started I don't know it's probably eight years ago and that I was really like just trying to find anything that I could find on them um get any information anybody who went to the silver gold class at the time I couldn't afford it so I was like oh mm-hmm. you know but uh and then I always had something going on but if I'm, I'm not mistaken <laughs> they're done doing that right in the states so the the way they're doing it is they were doing the uh, silver and gold themselves. They were certifying the silver graduates and the and the gold graduates themselves. But what's happening is this year is this year is the last time that they're doing that. There are a few classes they still have to finish, mm-hmm. but them already have finished. Um, but what's going to happen now, uh, from you know from here on out, they will do the silver classes, mm-hmm. but then. If like, you know, like if you wanted to, you know, go to silver, you could still go to silver, get the training, the silver training through them. Mm-hmm. But to get the gold, the gold certificate there, you'll have to go to a gold graduate. You know what I mean? And, and do training with them, do whatever program that they offer to sort of continue that, you know, that, that training. And, it definitely is not. It seems like it would be. You know, oh, it's completely different. It's not the same. Definitely, it's not the same. But what you get out of silver, the intellectual and just you know, just the knowledge that they give you in silver, that alone is very, very uh, you know, drastically different than what we're used to. Okay. So I mean, I I know there are trainers that just went to silver, and you know. They got a lot out of just going to silver. It's not like, you know, you, you're necessarily missing out. It definitely is a benefit to finish gold, but uh, but that's the way they're going to move forward after this year. Okay. Okay, cool. I always thought about um, going just because I just wanted to, just something I want to do after seeing so many people go through it and come out, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm then also, you got you know you got Justin Rigney that is doing seminars like he's he seems like he's doing a seminar every weekend. Yeah, I, <laughs> me and Justin Justin are pretty cool. So yeah. I um I uh, listen to every class that he does when he's at the Hits Conference for the last two or three years, and then um uh any time that I have a chance to go, I'll probably you know go hang out yeah. with him. But I definitely like uh uh get his ear when i can you know like pick yeah. his brain a little bit when i can um yeah, yeah man i i definitely uh know that that's something that you have to do you have to like put yourself around people that are more knowledgeable than you are like or has had more success doing things than you have so because i'm i started a club and i was 
the leader without knowing a whole lot mm -hmm. about the sport. I know about dog training, but you know how to yeah. knowing your right points, here. know where you lose points. Who you know? Exactly. Some people go as far as the judges and like who to show and judge with and what they like yeah. and what they don't like. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah. I I haven't got that deep into it yet, but. Uh, well, we'll I'm gonna see. I'm gonna tell you something. When um when I started the club, I started very similar to the way you started it. You know, I didn't have really any knowledge of the sport, but the thing that helped me and helped my club in turn was certifying as a PSA decoy. Going mm -hmm. to the certification camp, you learn so much about the sport because you know to certify as a decoy you have to really know the sport you have to know how to test the dogs what to look for so the certification camp alone knowledge wise is incredibly valuable for you as a handler and for your club furthermore if you certify and you start going to trials as a decoy and the knowledge that you get as far as points, uh, you know, uh, what the judge is looking for, um, that boosts your knowledge of the sport tremendously. So my sport, my club got better. My dog and, and the, club, uh, the club dogs got way better because we knew exactly what we needed to work towards once mm -hmm. I certified as a decoy and once I started going to trials because you really get to see the sport from a different perspective. It's like you're seeing it from behind the curtains. Okay. How many um how many club members do you have? You know, right now it's not like consistent necessarily, but roughly between like 8 to about 10 club members more that or seems, less. That seems normal. That seems like the yeah. average um when you think and you see like all these big clubs, have you trained with Derek at all? Derek um, Rose. Rose? Yeah. 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 I've gone to his club. I've trained with him um, a while back. I haven't been back in a, you know, in, in like a year, but yeah. Yeah. I've trained with him. Yeah. It's something I need to do too. I just need to start traveling. I need to get out, get around people who are more involved in sport and definitely, you know, heighten my game. Cause I think I can. I think that I can get a three on a dog. Um, whether it's this dog or not, I don't know. But I think because of the stuff that we were doing before, it's not that far off. Like I have a competition called the Throwdown. If you go mm -hmm. win in level two, which is the highest level outside of the puppies, it's pretty. It's a lot of pressure. You know, it's a lot of pressure on you, the dog. It's a lot of distractions. The dog's off leash, you know, multiple decoys. Um, it's not a whole lot different, you know. The mm -hmm. only thing is we don't do, like, the retrieve and stuff, and the scenarios are more personal protection-based, like, kind of realistic. Sure. But as far as the control that you have on the dog, like, people who were training with me before, they would be able to do – just say – you were able to do a PSA two to three routine, but loosely, like you didn't mm -hmm. have focus heel, wasn't like critiquing so much on your dog's speed of the down, speed of the recall. Sure. Just I just wanted it to be functional, and then mm -hmm. I judge a little more harsh on the control part when 
there's like innocent bystanders around or your sure. dog bit the wrong person. That's where you got, you know, more of your points deducted. And just the dog being able to handle certain pressure, go uh, his environmentals have to be strong, stuff like that. But I feel like and I you, could, go ahead. And you are, you organize that? Yes, I did. It's been Dude, ten, that's awesome. Ten years now that we've been going. So if you look, you can just I'll have search. to check it out. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Like if you search, um, uh, just the Throwdown K Nine competition on Facebook, you'll see a bunch of videos of it. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna have. I'm interested now. I'm gonna have to really check it out. Sounds, yes. So this is our tenth really cool. year in it. So um, it's been going pretty good. It'll be March 18th this coming up uh, year. Nice. In in Georgia. So if you want to find something to do, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'll check it out. Yeah, a lot of gun shooting, smoke bombs, and you know a lot of crazy stuff. But um, you also have to have um some pretty decent um obedience. To be honest, most of the people who've won have excelled in sports. So um, Amanda Calderon, she won. She had a PSA 3 on the dog. She won with um, the girl last year who won, Heather. She was an APA dog. She's titled an APA. And then two years in a row, I think Cammy won. She has a PSA 2 dog, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, Javier in Florida with Killer. I think that's his dog's name, Killer. Um, he was in the top dogs. If he didn't, I don't know if he won or not. But I think he got second. But yeah, he um, oh, nice. You know, mostly sport dogs do pretty well. Like, um, you know, the only part that I feel like they fail on is when they're b- alone. So like, if you have to like leave him in the car or protect something, you know what I'm saying? And he's alone and he's not being told to bite. That's the yeah. only discrepancy where <laughs> I see. Um, you know, there's a, a difference, but you know, then I feel like once you get high level in sport, they're not good at judging when you're in danger. You got what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of lose that. They're like, "Oh, I'm supposed to stay here and my own." <laughs> you know, right, right. Yeah, but other than that, man, it's pretty cool. Like, um, PSA is probably the closest sport to to being able to do something to what I like. Um you know, the APPDA thing is going on and that's that's getting some motion. I just hope they move around a little bit more and then uh where I can get closer to them instead of them being like way in New York and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. You get like within 6 hours, 5 or 6 hours I might start traveling. Right? Yep. That's the thing about doing sports, you doing a lot of driving. A whole lot and then you got to take your family. I just try to make it out of trips now like <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. bring your bring your kids, bring your fans. Especially yeah. if you're going to Florida, it's easy to relax while you're out there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, man, just let the people know what where they can reach you, like your Facebook, sure. your Instagram, and you know. Yeah. Well, um, you know, first, thank you very much for uh, having me on your podcast, man. I really appreciate it. It's an honor. Uh, and yeah, if people want to uh, see more of uh my training or some of the content that I post it's dog training is my passion. And that is the, um, that's the handle for Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and also podcasts. I also have a podcast. Dog training is my passion. So, um, you know, any 
any podcast platform that you want to go to. If you look up Dog Trainers by Passion, it's it's going to be, you know, content made by me. So Cool, cool. And I'm going to make sure I tag that and put that in the um the links uh when I post this. So it's going to go on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, everywhere there's a podcast, you'll be able to listen to it yes, and um also this video version will be on on YouTube and I'll add those links and also tag like all your book information on Amazon. Thank you very much. So, um, hopefully we'll get to meet up, link up and train sometime. Um, yeah, yeah. Take a road trip out there. What part of Texas are you in? I'm in this tiny, tiny little town, um, in the middle of nowhere. So it's about three hours South of Dallas Mm -hmm. and about two hours North of Austin. Okay. So, kind of between dallas and austin okay i heard i heard austin is a nice place to go yeah i mean it's got it's got some nice it's a nice touristic area it's it's not bad it's nice i don't go there very often but but yeah it's it's not bad so is there any tourist spots to go around where you are no (laughs) not not where i am like it's literally uh it's a tiny little town we have one traffic light uh you know one school and like the, the the graduating class is like five five students that graduated. It's it's a very tiny town. You see people riding their horses on the street. What's what's your nationality? Uh Peruvian. Okay, okay. I was I was born in Peru. Okay. I thought you were like Native American for a second and I was no, like, Oh, no, no. maybe he's close <laughs> to like a I don't know if there's like cool. reserves out there, but I know in Louisiana yeah, I don't we know. have one in like I think it's in Homa, Indian Oh, Native nice. American. Yeah. But yeah, man. So we'll wrap it up with that. And All right. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, I'll be in touch, man. If I uh, if I need some, I might reach out to you. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. All right. You have a nice one, bro. Take it easy. All right. Take care. Bye. All right.